When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Droz. Let's talk about Starscream. Starscream is another one of the most memorable characters of the Transformers franchise. Whether you're talking about Generation 1, the original 80s cartoon, all the way to present. Um, when the Bumblebee movie came out in 2018 and Blitzwing was shown in the preview, everybody assumed it was Starscream. Um, why is Starscream such a important character in the series? Well, I mean, like Bumblebee, he was in virtually every episode of the series. He was one of the main characters in a show that had a very big cast, especially by season two. You had an enormous cast of characters. For him to be in almost every episode says something about his importance to the dynamic of the series. And we all remember that he was a Jet who was always trying to take over the Decepticons. He was always scheming to overthrow Megatron and take take over. Um, he had that high, shrill voice. Almost every iteration of Starscream you see, he's got some kind of high or um, nasally kind of voice. And depending on the performance of even, you know, the same voice actor, like the first voice actor, Chris Lada, he would alternate between being sort of um, a, uh, what would I say, prissy to being kind of snooty, right? He would oscillate between being like, say, Fraser Crane versus something a little bit more shrill, right? Uh, by the end of the first series, um, Chris Lotta's performance of him was like almost always in a screeching kind of tone. Um, and I'll talk more about other Starscreams and other iterations of him in some of the later microcasts, but let's focus on Gen 1 Starscream and, you know, what I thought about the design, my relationship with him over the years. Um, and he was, when I was a child, one of my favorite characters of the series, probably because he was in every episode. Um, and he was, there was something different about him from all of the other Decepticons. So if you go back to the first miniseries, um, More Than Meets the Eye, first three-parter the Decepticons are all like for the most part all of them are super loyal to Megatron right there's even a line from Rumble in like the second episode where he's like look Starscream Megatron's strong he's merciless he can't be beaten and you'll never be our leader everybody even Rumble Rumble who is like a thug a punk he is a uh, a chaos agent when he's in battle even he is like no nah, don't mess with Megatron Soundwave, despicably loyal to Megatron. Shockwave, we're going to talk more about him later. So loyal to Megatron that Megatron said, stay home and leave Cybertron the way I found it. And Shockwave's like, yeah, I'll do that. And when Megatron doesn't come home for 4 million years, he's still guarding the planet from Megatron, right? Skywarp requests permission from Megatron to do certain things in the miniseries. But Starscream doesn't. There's something different about him. He doesn't recognize or he doesn't um, capitulate to Megatron's assertions of authority. Now, I remember in the Transformers uh, animated movie in 1987, after Optimus and Megatron have this, you know, titanic, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat battle where they're like smashing each other to pieces and, you know, there's that famous shot of Megatron saying, it's over, Prime, and his face is all cracked up. Then Optimus hits him one last time and he falls and he's like laying on the ground. He's sparking. He's leaking fluids on the ground. And Starscream walks up to Megatron and says, how do you feel, Mighty Megatron? He kicks him in the stomach. Just kicks him right in the stomach. Now, when I was like 12 or whatever I was in 1987, um, 
I remember feeling like there was like a sense of satisfaction in that because we had just been through two seasons of the show where Starscream kept trying to take over and Megatron kept punishing him for it. And now Starscream got to have his. But I remember uh, talking about it with some other kids and even some grown-ups about it and them saying like, well, you know, kicking a guy while he's down isn't the best thing in the entire world. And then that, that's when my perspective on Starscream began to change. How did it change? Let's back up. Now, I remember saying in yesterday's microcast that I wasn't a shy kid, but I was a sensitive kid, and I did have issues with self-esteem, like a lot of kids do, especially at ages 12 through, like, 18. Um, And to my little fifth-grade brain, Starscream's independence from all the other Decepticons um, really communicated to me as that's what like that's like what my little 11 year old brain perceives as that's what self-confidence looks like he's surrounded by guys who all point to megatron saying we're not going to mess with him but starscream says oh yeah watch this i'll mess with him now he was also a coward because every time he got caught he always begged for his life which also endeared me to the character as a child because i thought well yeah that's how i feel when i get in trouble (laughs) i don't i feel brave only up to a point you know? Uh, and so Starscream, like, not only did he, like, point to, because of his, his, his uh, you know, his traitorous or rebellious nature, pointed to a sort of, like, well, if you feel very alone and special, you can assert yourself. But just like you, he's going to be really afraid when he has to face the consequences <laughs> of going against the grain. So in a lot of ways, he was like, he's like what I wish to be and what I was at the same time as a child. Now, then we, that, that gets us to that moment when he kicks Megatron in the stomach. He's like, oh, how do you feel, Mighty Megatron? Blech, and kicks him in the stomach. And, you know, after reflecting on it and talking about it with others, I was like, yeah, that was a very Starscream thing to do. And maybe he's not so awesome. Maybe he is just a prick and he's not... He's not, he's not asserting himself because he has a vision and because he's brave and because he's, he wants to courageously face the future. He's more like a selfish child. And that kind of character is still endearing to me as a writer, but I don't look up to it the way I did when I was a kid, right? Like, that's how your relationship changes with childhood stuff, right? It's like if, if you don't necessarily outgrow it, you learn to look at it through new lenses. And so I, I, I see... Uh, I, 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 I find the antics of that kind of character very fun. They're, they're fun in stories. Um, and when we talk about the later Starscreams, the later iterations, like Tom Kenny's Starscream is incredible. And then the Transformers Prime Starscream, which I didn't like very much at first, but grew to absolutely adore, they explored that kind of personality in, a, in their own ways. Um, there's something that's like tremendously funny about somebody who thinks that they are incredibly awesome until you call them on it. <laughs> Let's talk about the design a little bit, going back to my childhood. Uh, what was it? There was, there was something, again, this, this theme of Starscream for me always comes down to he was alone and special. And again, as a creative kid growing up in a very rural community who had a, like, a love of drawing and got a lot of positive feedback about drawing, I had a sense growing up that like, there was something special about me. Um, although I feel afraid all the time and I feel smaller than everybody else. And I'm in this rural community where everybody celebrates the football team and being strong and big and masculine is the way to be a man in this town. So while I had this sense of being, um, you know, there's something unique about me 
that is to be celebrated, it still pales in comparison to the football hero, right? Uh, not that I necessarily had like a tremendously bad childhood. It's just, it's just, it's the kind of childhood that comes along with being like, you know, a, a sensitive creative type, you know, everybody has their own battles that they're all fighting, right? Um, so like this whole idea, what I'm, the reason I'm describing this is to explain why Starscream was a compelling character to me is that, so you had this, this character personality in the show where he's unique among the Decepticons in the way he, he interacts with Megatron. But then also he looked different than many of the Decepticons. I remember maybe not internalizing it in these words, but having a sense of it, that if you look at a lot of the Decepticons, they tend to be fairly conservative conservative in their color schemes. Shockwave is gray and purple for the most part. He's got the little yellow eye, or what was it? It was like a light up eye. No, was it? I don't remember now. But he had like one little eye in the middle of his head, but uh, purple and gray was predominantly his color scheme. Soundwave. Um, chrome gray and blue rumble blue blue and gray megatron gray gray and red right and then we get to the decepticon jets you got skywarp black purple with a white little bit of like white and silver finishing thundercracker you know blue and white with silver finishing and then you got starscream who is red white and gray so already he's standing out because he's like he's got these comparatively speaking flamboyant colors and I did notice as a child that like, wow, he's like kind of the same colors as Optimus Prime, red, white, and blue, except the white is muted. It's grayish, like it's darker somehow, almost as if it's to say like he's um, sort of a dark expression of what Optimus is. Again, I wouldn't have said that as an 11-year-old, but I think that that was implicit in my reaction to the character. And again, I'm, I'm mostly talking about the very first wave of Transformers figures. So we're talking about what did we have for the Decepticons? You had Megatron, you had Soundwave and his tapes, um, and you had Shockwave and the three Decepticon jets. So again, he, he stood out so much, and, and I really, really coveted that figure. I never had Starscream as a child. Um, I borrowed a friend's Starscream for a while. That was weird. Like, we would, like, trade figures for a week. <laughs> uh, so I got to play with him, and I got to see him up close, and, like, and also the fact that, like, the plastic had kind of, like, a, a pearly kind of, um, it wasn't, it wasn't glittery, but it was, like, it was, like, reflective in a way that the other, like, Decepticons, like Shockwave and Soundwave were not. They looked dull compared to Starscream. So just everything about the guy, head to toe. He's a, he's a jet. He can take off and fly away. Megatron has to be held. He turns into a gun. And he's a powerful gun, and a gun is a very scary and dangerous thing, but it needs to be wielded by somebody. Starscream is, like, the fastest, and he's, like, the most clever and intelligent. And But then he's, like, hampered by this weakness where he's ultimately... Um, he doesn't have the courage of his own convictions. So... So therein lies the uh, the cautionary tale of Starscream. So there we go. There's another entry thinking about Transformers characters for the whole month of November 2019. Uh, part of the Art Sound Off Challenge, artsoundoff.com, where I and my buddy Rob Stenzinger are challenging ourselves and, and by extension everybody else to uh, check in uh, during the month of November with an art journal. My art journal happens to be about Transformers characters and thinking about how I engaged them as a child and how I engage with them now as an artist, an adult artist. And if you haven't already subscribed to the 4 Million Years Later podcast, 
please do so. It is in the uh, link in the show notes. Once I'm done with this microcast series, I'm going to start an adventure with my buddy Hoover, uh, where we check in once a week with an episode of the Transformers cartoon series and just reflect on it. So if you find this kind of uh, essay interesting, we're going to be doing some hour-long episodes in that direction. So, okay, I'll be back tomorrow with another Thunder Punch Daily. Until then, remember everybody... In today's story, Skeletor was looking for a shortcut, a quick way to riches and power. You may know some people like that, always looking for the quick way to get ahead of everybody else. Well, it doesn't work that way. The people who succeed are the ones who work for what they want. So don't be fooled by those who say they have a sure thing. There's always a catch to it. Don't sell yourself short. The right way is the best way. Until later...